Welcome, everybody. It is that time. Every Friday, we get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino, and it's always a pleasure to speak with this man who does a brilliant job covering the sport of MMA. He's also the editor-at-large for SureDog.com. He is Josh Gross. Josh, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you? I- I'm doing great. It's always it's always fun to catch up with you. I want to hit you with a few different things going on out there uh you know what's funny is i saw you tweet and i'll try to find it but just to just to paraphrase talking about the matchup coming up this weekend between colby covington and tyron woodley basically you're saying you know that everything the heat between them is real and it's such a build-up and i should be more excited but i'm just sort of not have you have you reached that level of excitement and if not why why do you think that is yeah, I'm not sure. You know, they're both playing on things that are really important in the country right now and sort of dominating discussion. Colby Covington's kind of the avatar for the Make America Great, great Donald Trump crowd. And, uh, you know, Tyron Woodley is representing Black Lives Matters. He's from Ferguson, Missouri, and he has a lot to speak on these things. And, you know, they're both using their platform in this fight to represent those interests. And, and that's that's like that should be super compelling for me, but for some reason it's not. I feel like I know them um, too well, and, and, and Colby always felt like he was playing a role, and, and feel things feel so real that this kind of treads on, like, not taking advantage of what's happening in the world, but it's almost like pro wrestling, like, in, in a way, where, like, they, they pick up what's happening in the zeitgeist of, of the country and, and play off of that, and I'm not saying that that either fighter is doing that, but I just sort of haven't identified with this contest yet. It, it feels too real in too many other ways, I guess, for me. Yeah, it, it, Colby's a strange case because, I mean, when he first came up, the guy was quiet as a church mouse. He didn't say anything about anybody, and then he found his niche. I think he obviously saw what Connor was doing, saw what Chael was doing before him. The problem for me is he's not as clever. He's, he's very ham-handed. He's very – he's very. Uh, there, there was a sense of humor. to As insulting as Chael or Connor could be, there was always a, a part of it that was humorous and they were clever – Whereas Colby just thinks, what's the most insulting thing I can say? And let me say that. He's a bit of a dope, in my opinion. But what what do you think of the, the character that he he's sort of adopted here? Yeah, I don't think he's charming. You know, so it's like with Chael Sonnen and, and Conor McGregor, there was always that sort of piece of them that was a charming, disarming in a way. Colby's not like that. You know, he's he's full frontal in your face. This is this is what's going on. I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. And um, I think for a lot of people, that's bothered them. It's, whether he's playing a role or, or, or being himself, it's hard to say. Um, but this is who he has put forward to the public. And yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people just sort of feel like um, turned off, and not necessarily because he's a supporter of the president, just sort of the way that he's carried himself. Uh, and, and But it, it does work it for other people, so I don't know. I mean, I think I'm struggling with it. It sounds like you are a little bit too. And bottom line is, you know, what what is he going to do in the fight? What is he going to do in the fight? Yeah, I mean, last we saw, he was running out of the cage after he got beat, and then, like like some, he made excuses. But but uh, we'll, we'll yeah, see. And I think that's part of it because this conversation, too, happened in the last fight against Kamaru Usman, right? And it was a lot of the, the MAGA against uh, this guy. He's not a real American. It kind of gets tired. You know, these are real issues that are happening in the world, and, it, and just using it for promotional matters for a fight just it feels unnecessary. And I guess, I guess that's what I'm feeling as I sort of talk it out with you. Yeah, and just... I don't know. He didn't do himself any favors, I, I think, in the way that he handled the loss. I mean, it was a great fight. He he fought really well. He showed a lot of heart, but ultimately he got tuned up. Referee saved him, and what does he do? He runs out of the cage and then blames the referee. It was like, man, how weak are sure. you with that? That's that's pretty lame. But 
Uh, let, let me sure. ask you about Woodley because he's a guy who at one point was a dominant guy. Obviously, he's had his, his back and forth with Dana White, and people have found him to be boring at times, but he was winning. He's lost two in a row. He lost to Usman. He lost to Burns, and he didn't look particularly fresh, electric, or great in either of those matchups. He's 38 years old. Where, have we seen the best of him? Do you feel like he's just lost something out there? He just looked like a different fighter in those two most recent losses. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think he's definitely slipped. He's not the fighter that he was. But you have to credit Kamaru Usman, uh, and you also have to credit what Gilbert Burns has done and how great they've looked um, and really sort of stifling Woodley. Now, I think Woodley didn't show enough. Didn't He wasn't competitive enough in those fights. Like he, If things weren't going his way, he, he kind of seemed to accept that, and you don't want to see that in a fighter. So beyond like physically slipping, I think he had some mental issues in those fights as well. He's, he's spoken about that, and people in his camp have. Um, you know, you assume he's going to be prepared and motivated for this moment. Uh, he doesn't like Colby Covington for a lot of reasons. Um, but, you know, is that going to be enough to, to get him a win here? I, I, I don't know. It's 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 pretty much a toss-up fight because there are questions about Woodley and, and where he's at. You think if he finds that ability, that explosiveness that was a hallmark of his championship days, he's going to give Colby a, a run for his money. But if he accepts positions against Colby, if he lets Colby work with him against the cage and really kind of dictate what the fight looks like, he's going to wilt under pressure, and he's shown that in his last two. So what do you, what do you think? How does this fight play out? I mean, really, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to say that all of a sudden Tyrell Willie's going to you know, find the right gear. I think Colby Covington has more in the tank. I think he's going to work uh, throughout the course of the fight. He's got no problem going five rounds. He's got high volume. I, I think there's a very real chance that, that Colby Covington can, can win a decision here. One, one other fighter on this card that I've, I've been a big fan of over the years, I think most MMA fans really appreciated his, his just willingness to fight anybody at any time, anywhere, fighting you know, four, five, six times in a year, and that's Cowboy Cerrone. But he he feels like, and he's 37 years old, and I'm not trying to, you know, retire everybody here, but he feels like an old 37 because there's been a lot of damage taken from him. He's been in some wars. He's lost four in a row, three of them. He's been knocked out. I mean, what, what's what's left for Cerrone to do? What what I, I almost feel uncomfortable watching him at this point. He's going up against Nico Price, but where, where are you at with Cerrone and seeing watching him in the cage? Yeah, I, I think that he's um, a, a fighter that you know the UFC can promote because they promoted him a hundred times, and everybody knows Cowboy Cerrone. And yeah, you know, when you think of Cowboy Cerrone, most of the time people have like good feelings, like "Oh wow, it's going to be fun and entertaining," right? And I think that's where he falls down. He's he has slipped uh, multiple levels. There's no question about it. He's taken damage. No question about it. Um, but the UFC is going to keep lining him up as long as he wants the fight. I think he's going to be one of these guys that goes forever and forever, and the UFC is certainly not going to want him to go anywhere else. So I, I, I just, you know, is he capable of winning a couple here, a couple there? Sure. Um, but, the, you know, I, I think he was always a guy who struggled in the biggest moments anyways in title fights or in big contender bouts. He he, he seemed to miss something. And uh, now that his age is sort of a factor, a big factor in his career and, and the stoppages that he's taken, yeah, I, I think you have to say he's he's nowhere near that level. Um, but because of who he is and what he's accomplished in the UFC, you know, they, they have no problem running those guys out over and over again. Hey, last one on this card, and it, it features a fighter that there's a lot of hype around for good reason. I mean, he comes in, makes his UFC debut, and uh, is absolutely dominant in that debut. And then, what, a week, two weeks later, I can't remember the, the gap. I think it was 10 days later, he comes back and yep. takes out another opponent. I'm talking about Shmaev. Uh, going up against Mearshart in the, in this, and where, where are you at with him? It's hard for me to tell. Like, is he the real deal? Because no disrespect to his opponents, but 
it's not like he's fighting, you know, top five, top ten guys. At the same time, he looks extremely dominant. How, how do you size him up? He's 8-0. There's not a lot to go on, in my opinion. But where, where are you at with him? Well, you have to like what you've seen because he's either destroying people who are not on his level, which is what he's supposed to be doing, or these are pretty tough guys and he's running through them and you're like, wow, how great can he be? So you know, I think there's going to be at some point pushback. I think Gerald Merchard is somebody who can and offer some pushback. He's a legitimate middleweight. He's a good fighter. Not not a great middleweight in the UFC, but a good fighter. Um, but at a certain point, like we're going to have to see this guy tested under adversity. There's just too much depth, too much talent for him to simply walk through everybody, even if he says he wants to do that. He's exciting. Uh, he's someone who's uh, definitely not, uh, you know, even though English is not his first language, he has some sort of charisma about him. Uh, I think a lot has to do that with the zero in the loss column and his, you know, really confidence, boarding and cockiness. Um, if any of that goes away, if he looks human in this fight, if it goes the distance, I think people are going to hit the pause button. But uh, he's raised expectations to a high, high level uh, in just two UFC fights. Hey, uh, last thing before I let you go, and again, I'm speaking with Josh Gross, who is the uh, editor-at-large for SureDog.com. You're covering something that's going on in in the sport of MMA. There's a court battle, an antitrust lawsuit against the UFC that's out there. I've had Nate Quarry, who's uh, you know front and center in this whole thing, on a number of times talking about this. But for the fan out there that either hasn't heard about it or has just sort of you know on the periphery of it, it gets a little convoluted. Could you could you kind of sur- surmise what's happening and what it ultimately? means or could mean depending on the ruling sure it gets a lot convoluted even if you follow stuff closely like antitrust law is is not it's not you can get lost in the numbers and the you know regressions and the metrics and all these things but basically in 2014 uh uh, antitrust lawsuit was filed on behalf of uh ufc fighters and uh this worked its way through the court and it seems like the federal court in nevada is close to issuing a very key ruling that would certify a class of fighters. So it's a a class action lawsuit. It's an antitrust lawsuit. So once this major hurdle is cleared, it's it's in fact probably the biggest hurdle for the case moving forward for the fighters. Um, And it looks like it's going to, the judge basically said, I'm likely to rule this way uh, on Thursday. Um, You're you're still talking about a process that's going to play out over a number of years, but the ramifications could be massive for what the business of mixed martial arts looks like, both in terms of, uh, the kinds of contracts that fighters would sign, much less restrictive than they have right now. Uh, the ability to go out and shop yourself like a boxer would. It'd be much more structured like that. Um, there are a lot of things in this lawsuit that completely upend what we think of as mixed martial arts. And, you know, you can make a case whether that's good or bad, but certainly for the fighters who feel like they've been underpaid, uh, that the UFC has used practices that were uh not competitive, anti-competitive forces like uh, monopoly, monopsony, these sorts of terms. Um, you know, if they can make that case, then yeah, then the business should change. Uh, and so, you know, that this is this is a big one. Again, slow roll. You know, it's taken a while. We're six years in, and we're just now getting to this point where maybe they're going to go to trial. Of course, there's going to be appeals, um, but uh, it, it certainly is something to watch if you're interested in mixed martial arts and just sort of understanding what the future of the sport may look like. This is something that could determine that. Man, I cannot believe it's six years in. That is amazing. <laughs> I didn't realize it had December been that 2014, long. 2014, they filed a lawsuit, yeah. Jeez. And you, and you feel like still a couple years away, at least. Well, I, I think if the issue the, the judge uh, certifies the class, if he does that in a month or two, I don't think there's any doubt that the, the, the UFC side will appeal 
that's to uh, I mean, this is a federal this is a federal case, right? So the federal appeals court, you know, the, that may take a, a couple of years to work through the system. It's it's over. It's slow to begin with. But now you're talking about the you know, life in courts in the age of a pandemic. And so everything is pushed back. Everything is slower. And the system's logged down. I, I, I do think this is something that's going to sort of be in our lives for a while if, if the class is certified. He is Josh Gross, editor-at-large of SureDog.com. Also wrote a great book, Ali versus Inoki, which was really, really good. Check that out, I'm sure, on Amazon, wherever books are sold. And you can follow him on Twitter. I'll spell it out because I always forget how you say this, but it's at Y-A-Y underscore Y-E-E. Is it Yay-Yee? You got it, yeah. Yay-Yee. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Check him out on Twitter. If you're an MMA fan, he's a great follow. Josh, Always appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Thanks so much, man. Stay safe out there, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Bob. Be well.